The sermon text is the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 11, verses 14 to 26. Jesus drove out a demon, which was mute. After the demon had gone out, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, He drives out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others were testing him by demanding of him a sign from heaven. But he knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is destroyed, and a house divided against itself falls. If Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? You say that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. But if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons drive them out? So they will be your judges. Yet, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks him and defeats him, he takes away that man's full armor in which he had trusted and divides up his plunder. The one who is not with me is against me. The one who does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but does not find any. Then it says, I will return to my house the one I left. When it returns, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they go in and dwell there. The last condition of that man becomes worse than the first. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. During the season of Lent, <clears throat> many Christians deprive themselves of things. And if they do that for the right reason, to sharpen focus on the cross of Christ, it's a good thing. You know, when Christians choose to do that, they are making a statement that Lent is just a different time of the year, right? 325 days a year, I'll have that glass of red wine with my dinner or that lovely piece of chocolate with my lunch. But these 40 days, this season of Lent is just different than the rest of the year. Also during Lent, many Christians gather during the middle of the week on Wednesday nights to pray and hear the word of God, not something we normally do during the rest of the year. It signals that Lent is just different. And Lent is a different time of the year. It is more somber when we hear a lot of talk about sin and repentance and even blood and suffering. Even the historic lectionary, the series of Bible readings that we hear during worship reflects the fact that Lent is just a different kind of year. And each of the three Sundays in Lent, not just today, but also the previous two, we hear gospel accounts in worship that are just full of the devil and his demons. Did you notice that two weeks ago? Jesus is driven out into the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he is tempted by none other than the devil himself. Last week we met a Canaanite woman who is crying out, begging Jesus for help. Why? Because a demon was tormenting her daughter. And now today we have Jesus driving out a demon and his enemies making the absurd claim that Jesus is doing that by the devil's power. Even as Jesus is fighting against the devil and driving him out, they say that Jesus is in league with the devil. All of this 
time and all of this talk about Satan and his demons is not comfortable for us. I admit it is certainly not comfortable for me as a preacher. I would love to come in here every Sunday and speak nothing but sweetness and lights to people who are very kind to me. And that is why you should be thankful for the wisdom of your Christian fathers who assembled this lectionary. Because by filling the first three Sundays in this season of Lent with Satan and his, and his demons, they were compelling, sort of forcing preachers like me down through the centuries to just go ahead and be uncomfortable. Talk about something that's hard to talk about and not whatever lighter topic happens to tickle your fancy this week. And that is a good thing. Because if it were not for blessings like the lectionary, we would probably very rarely, maybe never, stop and think deeply about the kinds of stories that we have been hearing in the gospel for the last three weeks. Because we don't like to talk or hear about the devil or even think about him. What people prefer to do with him instead is dress him up in little red costumes, give him a little pitchfork and a cute little tail. We like to put the devil in movies and cartoons, and I think that's because that way we can see him, and we get to control him. We get to control what he says, and we get to control what he does. And I think all of that is just fine with the devil. The more we turn him into something harmless or humorous or even fascinating, the less we worry about him, the more we let our guard down, and we don't consider Satan to be any threat to us at all. But during this purple season of Lent, the historic Christian church just will not let us get away with that. She keeps trotting the devil and his demons out in front of us for three Sundays in a row, so we have to look at the devil. We have to take notice of him, and we have to deal with him. And that's not comfortable, but it's good for us. Because as we see throughout the pages of Scripture, Satan is strong. He is always wreaking havoc and leading people astray, and his final mission is always to kill and destroy. Now, in this gospel, Jesus calls Satan by the name of a Philistine god, which is Beelzebub, and that means Lord of the Flies. Baal means Lord, and Zebub is an automatopoeia word for flies. But then Jesus goes so strong as to call Satan the strong man. And to see that Satan is powerful, all we really need to do is look in the mirror for a few moments and be honest with ourselves. And when we do, we will see that Satan's greatest strength is in his lies. Lies that we have swallowed, hook, line, and sinker. And one of Satan's strongest lies that he tells us is that our sins really don't matter that much. They're really not that big of a deal. He says, oh, just, you know, go ahead, hold that grudge. It's not that bad. It's not like you're actually killing somebody. Oh, go ahead and indulge. Turn your eyes toward those lustful images. It doesn't really matter. It's not like you're committing adultery or anything. Believe what you want about God. It's okay because God is love, so love is God, and all roads lead to heaven. Ah, he... Go ahead, skip church this Sunday. It's not a big deal. You did enough good, boring things last Sunday. You shouldn't have to start off the next week with, with yet another one. Ever, ever since the Garden of Eden, all those thousands of years ago, Satan has been telling lies like those and others, attempting people to put themselves first, even ahead of God. 
doubting what God's word says. You know, did God really say it? Is one of Satan's favorite questions to ask. And just like our ancestors, Adam and Eve in the garden, we bite. And so we share in the sin and in the guilt of our first ancestors. What we confess in the baptismal liturgy is true when we say we are all conceived and born sinful and so are under the power of the devil. Satan, as Jesus testifies in today's gospel, is the strong man. And he is definitely stronger than you and I are. And Satan came knocking on the door of the entire human race and he knocked it down with the battering ram of his lies. He entered the heart of the entire human race and he would have stayed there forever. His home would have been with us permanently. But as this season of purple and repentance reminds us, things are different. Things have changed. Satan was secure in the home of our hearts. He was counting his treasure and plotting how to get even more out of us. And then, before he even realizes it, before Satan even has time to mount a defense, he is stripped of his arm, armor and all of his ill-gotten gains. One who is even stronger, infinitely stronger than the devil, comes utterly unexpected, completely defeats and disarms Satan, takes away all of his treasure, and kicks him out of our house. Jesus Christ laid aside his rightful crown of glory for a little while, and he took on human flesh, and he came into this world not with power and glory, but with humility and with weakness. He was laid in a manger by a virgin. He grew up subject, obedient to his earthly parents, perfect in every way. And then he went to the cross, suffered and died like a common criminal to pay the full price that our sins deserve. And as Jesus was hanging on the cross, suffering and crying out in thirst and pain, it looked for all the world like he was the one being defeated. But Jesus turned that cross into the greatest victory that the world had ever seen and the greatest victory that the world will ever see because he turned it into a victory for the entire human race. Our debt was paid, our sin was covered, and Jesus' righteousness became our own. Jesus fought and he won on that cross and he won as our champion. He freed us from Satan's mastery of our heart and our lives. And Jesus also freed us to belong to him instead. So you are not only the battlefield, you are also the prize. You are the treasure that Jesus fought for and he won. It is right to confess before we baptize someone that we are born in sin and under the control of the devil. But... When those baptismal waters wash over us, Jesus unites himself to us with bonds that not even Satan is strong enough to control. He enters our hearts, and when Jesus does that, he makes everything neat and tidy again. He enters the home that is your heart, and everything is swept up neat and tidy. And that's why, as St. Paul writes so clearly in our second letter today, we no longer have to live for Satan and his lies and his darkness. 
We are now free to live in the light of our Savior Jesus and in his truth. We no longer have to live a life of words and actions that are out of place for the people of God. We are free in Jesus to live a life that is different from the rest of the world, a life with different goals, different values, different priorities. Christians don't have to live this life where they're always pushing themselves out front, out first, because we know God has already put us first in our Savior Jesus and given us eternal glory in the kingdom of heaven. So now, for the rest of our days in this world, we are free in Jesus to live a life that serves others, that puts them ahead of ourselves. And that is how we must live. Jesus, who is the stronger one, who loved us and fought and won the prize of our hearts, he issues a couple of stark warnings in this gospel. The first is that there is no middle ground in the battle for our hearts. Either Jesus is in control with his light and with his truth, or the devil is in control with his lies and his darkness. But you cannot have it both ways. Jesus says, the one who is not with me is against me. So you cannot have Jesus in control of your heart and keep messing around with Beelzebub and his lies at the same time. Like You can't invite Satan back in for dinner and a couple of drinks a couple times a week and think somehow everything's going turn to turn out all right in your soul. But sometimes we think we can. We figure, oh, just a few of Satan's lies, that's not going to do any real damage to me. Just a, a little bit of the darkness, a little bit of the evil, it's not going to permanently hurt me at all. And that is why the stronger one who loves us, warns us, you can't have him in your heart and flirt with Satan at the same time. Then the evil spirit says, I will return to my house, the one I left. When it returns, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they go dwell there. The last condition of that man becomes worse than the first. When Jesus, the stronger one, drives Satan out of our hearts, he makes everything neat and tidy. Your sins are forgiven. You are at peace with God. You have the strength you need to live the life God wants you to live, but Satan wants back into that heart. And if the Christian lets Satan back in, he's going to take control, and Jesus says he will take control like never before. And the spiritual condition of that now former Christian will actually be worse than it ever was before. And that's why we need to listen carefully and take seriously the warning of our loving Savior and of his apostle, St. Paul. There is no middle ground in the struggle for our soul. Jesus is the stronger one, and in love, he has won our hearts. He has taken control of our lives. Now, we must listen to him and to him alone. We must live for him and him alone. No more of Satan's darkness. No more of his lies. And as we hold on to Jesus, we do it with this confidence. He is the stronger one. Jesus was the one driving out the demons that day and controlling them, not the other way around. And Jesus said, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. That expression, 
the finger of God, as near as I can tell, is only used one other time in the Bible. And it is way back in the book of Exodus, when Moses was trying to convince Pharaoh to let the Israelites go, and he was performing miracle after miracle after miracle, bringing plague after plague after plague on Egypt. You know, in that story, Pharaoh had these, like, occultic magicians. And for a while, they were able to use satanic forces to keep up with Moses' miracles. Moses would do it, and then they'd do it, back and forth. But eventually, the power of the Lord just pulled away from those evil magicians, and they were no longer able to keep up. After a few miracles, they had to throw in the towel and admit, this is the finger of God. God has more power in a finger than Satan has in his entire army. And of course, Jesus points out just the total silliness, the absurdity of those who were claiming that he was using satanic forces to drive out demons. No, Satan does not drive himself out of anybody's heart. That is where he wants to be. But Jesus is the stronger one. He has lived that holy life for us. He has died that sacrificial death to take our sins away. And Jesus has kicked the devil out of our hearts. And he has taken control. And he has done it. Not with lies and deception. But he has done it with forgiveness. And with love. That's how Jesus enters a heart. And that's the key truth to remember. Anytime that we are tempted to do that thing where we want to straddle the spiritual line. And live a little bit in Jesus' light and a little bit in Satan's darkness. Jesus is not just the stronger one. He is the loving and the forgiving one. He is not just the winner of our hearts. He is our winner of heaven. And so now we welcome him and him alone. And we live in his light and only in his light. Amen.